0: Right. Turn to Proverbs chapter 9 for an introductory thought for the morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, in our worship, we give you this hour, this morning, more our hearts, more our lives, Jesus, you are a God. We worship you. Lord, thank you for the house that you have built. And teach us in our hearts today what that means. You have built a house for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1 Wisdom has built her house She has hewn out her seven pillars She has slaughtered her meat She has mixed her wine She has also furnished her table She has sent out her maidens She cries out from the highest places of the city all right, this is just introductory to get your mind in what we want to say today. We want to build a house here. We have our iPad, so with our iPad we can build anything. <laughs> is that up there? Yes, okay. Now she has seven pillars. We maybe make it a little more dimensional. You know how in the Greek world they had the pillars, whatever, the seven configurations you want to have you can do your own sketch. By the way, like some of you, you do sketches. I'm jealous. I have seen them, they are great, okay. Excellent, so we have a house, okay. And um, who built the house? Wisdom, what is she saying? I have their meat, I have wine, Then she sends her maidens out and they go out to the city to call people to the house. That's what the text is saying. And so we'll take a little time here to digest that. This house is the house you need. You need this house. There are other houses that are built that are in our world. There are other houses But not this. This house is the house you need. You need it in your life. What is it in a word? It is this word, wisdom. That is what is needed. Now There are other houses. Like I said, there's a house of science. And the house of science is, um, we, we live in a world that really highly regards science. Highly regards medicine, physics, theoretical sciences of, of uh, the material world. Even atheism is built on the belief that the house of science is enough for you. Is the house of science enough for you? Okay? So let's build some little houses here. Here's this house of science, there's another house of morality. And this is where you and I could go. We could go to other houses. And there was a time when you did. It was um, a house of uh, maybe morality, or you could have a house of immorality. You could have a house of popular celebrityism. You could be famous. You could be good-looking, smart, talented. All of the houses... That are in this world and that people go to, because your soul needs a home, your soul needs a house. You need play a place to be. You are learning now. Listen, it's very simple. There are things in life that this house of science cannot address. This is from Timothy Keller. He in one of his messages. It's very. He's very good, and he said that. Uh, when you have to make a decision if you're going to get married or not, that house won't help you. It's the house of science. It can't help you. That's the idea, the principle. Like when you make ma- decisions in your life about buying a car or getting a job or moving away, when you, when you make those decisions, will science help you? And even morality, like you could have, you am I going to take this job or this job? Morality, they're both good jobs. So how can morality guide me in itself? It's a small house. Morality is a small house. But wisdom is the house that you and I must have and must uh, relate to and find and know wisdom. Because it says in Proverbs 4, 8, wisdom is the principal thing. It's the primary thing in life. I think, uh, when, do you remember when you were little, maybe maybe we're, when, when we had to put gloves on or mittens on as little kids? Remember your mother? You know, put your gloves on or your mittens on, and like two fingers would go in one finger in the glove, you know, and your your hand you know she's trying to get every finger in the glove. remember that yeah that that mean that to me illustrates how how in this life that people are struggling to fit in. Not socially, I don't mean that. But this world is so beyond us. It's beyond science. It's beyond morality. It's made by God, and it's God that fits in the, in the glove. And it's you that fits in life with wisdom. Wisdom, w- you will find that your life works in this world when you have wisdom, you will find that you have an answer. Well, what about death? Death is a big problem for us. Right? With death, What's the world of science? What's that little house, this one, the little house of science say about death? They'll just go into the, into, the, into the room at the hospital and say, he is dead. But that doesn't fit in my life. He is dead, like my mother is dead, my brother is dead, My, I am dying. Who has an answer? Wisdom has built a house, and it's enough, because it makes your life fit in this world. And we're standing beside the bedside, and we're saying, oh, death, where is your sting o oh grave where is your victory because wisdom gave us christ christ is wisdom and that person is actually that house that place where you go and you sit in the house that wisdom has built and you eat and drink what does the eating and drinking meaning it means communion like we have communion, we eat the bread and drink the wine, that God has given us a fellowship with himself. Okay, so this will be a good morning for us to, to study. Um, amen. Um, Pastor Jason Moore lives in Texas, and we're just getting over the anger and the pain but he is such a great minister of of christ and he's such a servant he and his wife and they they moved down to texas to work with pastor chris's brother and in houston area and um he's visiting this weekend and so it's great to have him come and share with us so come on pastor
1: Wow, anger. Wow, let's cast that out. (laughs) Good morning. Oh, it's so good to see you, and uh, we're so blessed to be just part of you in Houston. God is doing great things there. Already losing my voice here, so pardon my my voice, but just... Thank God for you. We think of you, pray for you daily. Uh, Honestly, uh, God is doing great works uh, in Houston. And um, really, there's uh, three church plants that are happening and in the works already happening with Pastor Adam Speedy and my brother and myself. So it's an open place. It's a very open place. So remember us uh, in your prayers. And uh, it's just you are very precious to my wife and I and my son and she sends her love. Uh, she's actually home today with pneumonia. So keep her in your prayers. But she is really well. She's my, she's my trooper. She's my trooper. She, she's, going around all, she's going around the whole world with me. And uh, it's incredible just to, just to see God's work that's uh, beginning in Houston. So let's just pray. I'm going to sh- just share for a few minutes with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for your people. <clears throat> thank you for that wisdom that is uh, so needed uh, it it just saves our life, it saves us, Lord, again and again, and uh, just thank you for your people, thank you for this church. It is a light, and uh, just give us your your thoughts today in jesus name amen amen i 'd like to look in second Corinthians with you, chapter three and we have a unique opportunity in Houston in a in a very biblical well I would say a church culture and um, you 'll find the kindest people in Houston. no offense <laughs> but when you spend some time with them and open scriptures um, there 's an emptiness that is shocking uh, and and it 's one of the most dry land spiritually that i 've ever seen and So as we pour out our grace, or God's grace, we pour out the finished work message. It is incredible, really just incredible to see people come alive. And just the plan of God has put me in a place where I'm a marriage counselor for a Christian agency, and we work with a beautiful ministry that complements so much biblical counseling. And uh, just hours and hours of just opening the Bible and sharing with people uh, the heart of Christ. And it is, uh, it is a great privilege. And then we're able to invite people uh, right from the counseling room to our church and Evergrace. And uh, it's incredible. People are coming. They, they say things like, we've never heard this before. Uh, I had a man say to me the other day, I'd never read my Bible, ever. And I grew up in the church. Uh, I've had people say to me that, you know, uh, we we give out pastor's booklet, What is Man? Or uh, Just Let God Love You. Or Love Beyond Knowledge. Or Failure's Not Final. These are like sticks of gold that we give and people read it. And I talked to one man the other day, and he's been through such a traumatic experience. He says, that's all I do. I read this book, Just Let God Love You, in the morning, and I read it before I go to bed. And he says, it's changing me. It's It's making me come alive. Isn't that incredible? Uh, People don't need formulas. They certainly do not need religion, that's for sure. Um, They need the wisdom of God. They need the wisdom of grace. And um, we're just so encouraged because as people are exodusing to Houston, we're seeing, uh, we're meeting Californians, we're meeting New Yorkers. I mean, it's like a very much an eclectic place. But when you start talking about Jesus... It's a very prepared people are prepared to hear the message. It's very, very open. So I, I think I think of this point here in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen, it says, When someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who had that veil removed can see and reflect. The glory of God and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Isn't this a good verse? And when we just think about turning to the Lord, this is where hunger, our spiritual hunger, comes alive. This is where we understand our need for God. And uh, when we just look at him and we look away from ourselves, we are changed. We're not changed into a better version of ourselves, thank God. We are changed in his image. We are transformed. We behold his forgiveness. We behold his mercy. We behold his grace. We behold his truth. And you know what? We then begin to have answers for those questions that science does not have. We have uh, answers to those questions that humanism and liberalism and all these isms don't have. And you know what happens? People are transformed. We are transformed. We are made into his image in Psalm 1715. I remember uh, there was a couple we were talking with. And, uh, you know, have you, ever, have you ever noticed how complicated we are? It's pretty, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? But when we turn to him, it gets simple. It really gets simple. It's like, okay, I'm dead, and my life is now hid with Christ. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And that veil gets thicker the more I look at myself, but the veil is removed when we look at him. When we look at him, when we have that communion with him. And uh, I was talking with this couple and um, they, the wife had printed out this booklet, Just Let God Love You. And they were taking a vacation from Houston to Florida. And they were driving. And she said to me when she came back, she goes, I read this in the car over and over. And uh, you know what? I think I know how to love my husband now. I, I think I know how much God loves me. And love, my, the fear in my life has been cast out. Isn't that so good? Because what can happen is we have, it's its a concept I'm calling a leaky brain. It's like we have things in our heart in our mind, and fear and anxiety, they puncture us. They puncture that knowledge in our heart, and it leaks out. And we have an overactive mind. We have a mind we can't shut off. We have a mind maybe that's just totally empty, and it's circular thinking. But then what happens? We turn to him. We discover him. We listen to him. We discover what the true truth is. And you know what happens through meditation, through Psalm sixty-three one, our thirsty soul begins to be saturated in grace. You know what happens? Our mind stops racing. Our mind starts thinking on things that are from above. Our mind is focused on him in twenty-six three of Isaiah. And you know what happens? Fear and anxiety no longer are our narrative. Isn't that good? We are we are relaxed but intentional. We are uh, courageous yet we are dependent. Isn't that what? What a way to live! Isn't that? Why? Because we're beholding Him. We're nothing great. We're nothing special in this sense. But we're reflecting someone that is great. We don't have to do anything great, but we reflect someone who's great, and therefore His greatness is now what defines us. What a a way to live. It's amazing. And you do that. And you do that. I want to close here in Psalm 143. Um, We just see such a great opportunity in Houston. And really, the southern part of the United States and west, it is open. It is a wide open place. And there isn't much Bible teaching that we find We find beautiful people. We find sincere people. But when you open the book, it's, uh, excuse me, everything changes, right? Our sin no longer has dominion. Our past no longer talks to us and dictates the way we think. Why? We're beholding him. We're beholding him who is perfect. So therefore, we don't have to be perfect. Perfectionism, right? We can observe perfect love, and therefore, we don't have to live in perfectionism. Isn't that a great thing? That's a, that's a, hard, that's a hard standard, right? And uh, <clears throat> to, to live up to, but we don't have. We just turn to him, and the veil is taken away. And I love this, and in, in, uh, in Paul says, with an open face. With an open face. I love when my son comes to me, and he's now 10. He's, a, he's getting big. He's, my goodness. When we wrestle, it hurts a little bit now, but <laughs> uh, with an open face, he comes and it's like there's that innocence and there's that expectation and and not that he gets everything he wants, even though he thinks he may. But but we come to God and it's like, Lord, you are good, you are good. I love this in Psalm one forty three six, and this is a great set of verses. Um, it says. Uh, Verse 4, I mean, it's kind of dark there at the beginning. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. And I lift up my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as a parched land that's thirsty for rain. You know, thinking about spiritual hunger and just thinking about seeing our need for God, when we turn to him, isn't it true we see our need for him? And it's like, Lord, thank you. I thought I was doing okay, but then I looked to you and I realized how much I need you. And then you're very generous. You're very generous. And the leaky brain goes away, right? And then we begin to, the Holy Spirit begins to recall things that, that we've hidden in our heart, and we live in the power of them. We live in the meaning of them. It's really incredible. And, uh, this, this step of faith, this leap of faith for us, I was just telling my wife, uh, how much we love what we're doing, but how much we miss Baltimore. And we are so thankful for you. I think of many years of great relationships here that, that are continuing. We are just an extension, uh, of you and of, of Christ. And, uh, and what a joy it is to just serve by faith. And to keep looking, amen? Look away, twelve one in Hebrews, and look unto him. That, that's our life, isn't it? That's our life. It's, you remember that comic where the cat looks into the mirror and the reflection is a lion? Anybody remember that? Oh, it's a great comic. My son loves comics, and I'm learning to love comics, I guess. But, but, but you look, you look, and the reflection is not the same reflection. It's something perfect. It's something great. Our reflection of weak, our, we look in weakness, and there's a reflection of strength. We, we look in brokenness, and there's a reflection of wholeness. We, we, re, we look in, into the mirror in, in great, um, maybe there's unbelief, and then what happens? There's a reflection of faith, and this is what we embrace, amen? God bless you. We love you. Keep praying for us. Keep thinking of us. And uh, we just are so thankful for you and thankful for Pastor Schaller and this great church. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
0: you. Turn to Proverbs chapter 8. What is wisdom? It's described here starting from verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, find out knowledge and discretion. This is the New King James. And the King James, I think, finds out witty inventions. The New King James, discretion. Like to see something, especially when we look at life, it's, it's just beyond us. Like, how do you live your life? One time I was in uh, Dundalk visiting 2008 when we had some financial trouble in our country, if you remember. And there was a man with his calculator and his bills, and, and uh, he was worried. He was worried about how he could pay his bills. So we, we know that there are things we just cannot control or we don't have, we don't know how it works. A man with a woman is a very good example. I think, how does that work? Does anybody know? How does that work? How does a man find a wife? Or should he find one? Maybe not. Um, How do you know if you should move? And where would you go and why? There are people that are very skillful with life in some areas, let's say money. They could be very bad people morally, But they could be very good with money, and they might have a lot of money. But are they wise? Because their relationships are broken, or they are lost in their hearts. But they're very smart, but do they have wisdom? Um, There are other people that are not good at money, but they might be very wise because there's a lot of love in their hearts. There's uh, people who may gravitate to them. They might not be very good in some areas, but in the fundamental area of like how your hand fits in, you're able to manage and navigate. Like, say... Somebody has cancer. Somebody you love has cancer. How do I talk to them? How do I relate to them? What can I do for them? Well, we don't have an answer for the cancer. But what do we have? What are we looking for? You know, in our world, sometimes people think that money is the answer for everything. But actually... You know, no. It can't solve those problems that I mentioned necessarily. So you have, like, where where can I go in this world to learn about life? And it's there in verse 12. I wisdom dwell with prudence. I understand that that word is... Uh, when you are prudent, it means you are understanding something about how things work. You're understanding something about how, to, how things go. <laughs> I am not a very good at many, many things in life. I'm not very good at, uh, but I'm okay. Because God will make a difference for your life you'll be okay with God. And you know, wisdom is a person. 1 Corinthians one thirty: For of him are you in Christ Jesus, for of whom God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So Christ is our wisdom. He is a person. And you know as well as I that knowledge isn't, you know, like, if I am a made, we are made in the image of God, then I need somebody's shoulder to cry on sometimes. I, knowledge isn't enough, but, but a person is better. A person, Christ, is better than the whole bunch of knowledge, you know regarding cancer, we have the knowledge, we have medications, we have the the care, the therapy, we have the knowledge, and we have this in science. But right now, I don't need that. I need love. I need somebody who cares about me. I need somebody to understand me and to love me. So that's what the That's what this, number one, what is is wisdom? Look at chapter 8, verse uh, 12. I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. So you learn to study things. You learn to look at things. You learn to understand things about people you learn to understand things about what is a lie or betrayal or adultery or an addiction when you learn what an addiction can do in the life and heart of a person you get discretion discretion means you can filter things out and and you can say no that's that's over there i don't want that in my family i don't want that with my friends I don't want that in my church or in my, in my fellowship. I don't want that in my life. I will block it out. I wisdom, I, there's synonyms there, wisdom, prudence, and discretion. You're able to say, like, no. No, that's, that, that, I understand something about life. That's not good. I don't accept that. And wisdom has built a house, and this house is really the church. The church is a place, a spiritual church, not just any church, but and thank God for all of them that declare Christ. But what I mean is there are churches that teach morality, good and bad. And you know what? I'm a Christian. You know what my goal is? To be a good person. That's what, that's what I'm at. I'm after to be a good person. Well, that—that's not. that's not what you need. My goal is, I want to have fellowship with wisdom. Because many things are good. Many things are good, but not everything is wise. Many things are good. You could live in Baltimore or Philadelphia or New York. You could have this job or that job. You could be with that person or this person. And they may all be good. But that doesn't help me. Because I need something more than goodness. Wisdom is good. But wisdom is more than goodness. Wisdom, wisdom when you see Jesus in the Gospels... You might see sometimes when he's operating and you just say, Ooh, ooh. Lord, dial it back. (laughs) Dial it back. And he goes, no. My goal isn't to be good. My goal is to manifest God in the world. And he is wise. He's the only wise God. He is the wisdom that we need in life so the hand fits in the glove, you know. Your mother, you know, your hand is bunched up like this because you don't want to go outside. And, you know, your mother says, give me the, f- come on, come on, work with me. And they like, no, I don't want to go outside. Okay. All right, listen. There's many things in this world. So, all right, so let's go to the, go to really help you. Go to First Peter 2 with me. And and we see the house again here. And this is starting from verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone. Could we put that diagram from the iPad up on the screen there? Yeah, okay. All right, so we have the same metaphor used here. In First Peter two, and that Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone was a large stone that was that they laid down, and they made that it was square. And from there, the house was built. And there was also a capstone that, with a different form of architecture, but there was some kind of a capstone that also made it square. I don't really know know. That much about it, but I want you to see here chapter two, verse four, coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men and chosen by God, and precious. this is psalm one eighteen at the end of that psalm. you can read it it's a very important part of your Bible knowledge. You have a chosen chosen by God, the cornerstone for the house the starting point for the house. You know how today the builders have lasers. They make everything square by using lasers and so on. In the ancient world, they had a stone that was a starting the cornerstone for the building, and everything went off of that. And so Jesus is that stone for the building. Isn't that beautiful? But they had to make sure there wasn't any fissure in the stone. Let's say a crack here, uh, a fissure. And so they would test it. They would actually put hammers on it, and they would study it, and they would test the stone. Well, when Jesus was tested by the Jewish people, they threw him away. He's not, he's not the one. He's not the one we need. Why? Because man doesn't have the wisdom To know what he needs. He throws away the thing that he actually needs is what he throws away. He throws it away. And look at our world. They throw away Jesus. They don't they don't have this understanding that actually the problem with this world isn't you out there, but it's me. And the problem with the world isn't God but it 's me in my heart, so when they tested Jesus, they threw him away, and actually um, it 's a great picture of looking at a quarry and seeing the tested stones like just lying around in the quarry, and you, you could say, What about those what, what did it, what, the rock engineer or the mason, whatever they were called' What about those? Oh, no, they're not good. We tested them and we have rejected them. They are rejected. Jesus is rejected because of the cross. So look at verse 5. You also as living stones. Now this is, you know, just a very unique phrase Because stones are are not living, but they are. I mean, we are stones that are living stones in the house that God built, the church. And we, as living stones, have come to that stone. So it's kind of like this idea: we are built on Him as stones. You know how how you could whatever draw it any way you wanted. So you have the pillars and then us making up the building. That's the picture there. Let's read it. It goes, And you as living stones are being built to up a spiritual house, the holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And against the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own own special people. You may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So there you have the church. And this is a house that wisdom has built. And maybe, yeah, there's many things to say there. Okay, so let me go to my finish up here with my uh, short outline here. Where am I? What is it? God's mind. Why do we need it? Why do we need it? Let's look at that for a moment. One, if you look up at the screen here, this house of science is not enough, this house of morality is not enough. So why do we need it? Because of my my appetites. Let me draw it myself look like here. My appetites, my desires, my way of looking at life. There are people now. Pastor Jason mentioned to me the other day. I think it was 128 counseling people. People that have come to him for counseling in a short time, in a month or something. You know that look for marriage counseling and help and so on. And how good that what you said was very good. That that on the service, you know, my, my my look, I got like I got my life together on the service of, of my life by different ways it look, might look like it. But my appetites, my desires, my um my uh drive in life, my my desire to be happy or to be good, happy or to be good or to have a good life and all of these are, are way they're not enough. They cannot work. It's not the point of your life. It's not where you live. You need need something. You need more. You need God and his mind and his heart. Now, how do I get it? So I have my appetites and desires, and I go to what this is maybe new for some of you, but very important. I have my my inner life, my, my inner life, and... I, I have my own thoughts. Look at the beginning of 1 Peter 2. Look at those words. Laying aside all malice. Number one, malice, evil. It's kakia. All guile. It's hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. If you took those five words, they, they embody attitude and speech. And, you know, if you look at your life, how much of our lives are those five words? A lot of life. A lot of people don't have authority over those, over those things. They envy. They don't know what to do with it. They have hypocrisy. On the outside, it looks good. On the inside, it's not. They speak evil, they backbite, they speak against people, so those words, but verse two says in first peter two two as newborn babes, so you have a new birth, you desire the pure milk of the word, so you have this picture you have my my new life i still I have those five words. What they mean. Sorry, we don't have time to go over the definitions of them. But I go through in my heart, I say, I need to learn how to talk. I need to learn how to think. I need help. Where do I get it? Well, I desire it. This is a big word here in the text. It's you desire this sincere milk of the word, this. Sincere is um this reality, the reality of it, the reality of the milk of the word. The rabbis we used to call the bible milk, milk for a baby, milk for food, milk, and it's genuine or sincere it 's real. It works. The baby has the the food and they have the word, like Psalm 119, and it's my new inner life. My new inner life is why I'm drawn to the church, I'm drawn to the temple, I'm drawn to wisdom, I'm drawn to God's mind. Because there are so many decisions that I have to make in my life, and I don't know how to make those decisions. But the Bible is saying to me that if I meditate on his word, then I will prosper in whatever I do. So I begin to meditate on the word and desire it. I desire a spiritual life. I desire fellowship. I'm drawn to wisdom in you, in the house. I want to hear what God is saying. I want to hear the stories, the biographies, the doctrines. I want to hear it. I want to hear it and think about it and digest it. And this will satisfy my appetite so that I can deny the appetites of my flesh the desires of my flesh. And I say, no, I don't need it. I'm good. I think maybe all of us, like they pass you some alcohol, and, many, and not many times, but a few times in my life, I just say, no, thank you very much. You're very kind. Uh, thank you very much, but I, I'm not, I don't drink. So, but why don't you drink? Why? Why? Because I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied without it. I'm okay. Thank you, but I don't. I don't. I don't need it. Then there's some people that, that bugs them. It's like what you know. I will make you drink. You know. I will make you drink. It bothers them a lot. It's like just relax. We're having a good time. I'm not. You know. I'm good. You know. That kind of thing. Well, where, why do you have deep in your heart a new appetite, a desire for the? Because the house is a real house, it's a real place. And the cornerstone is Christ, and He's hewn out seven pillars. That's up to you to figure out what they are. I've sometimes uh, thought they are justification, sanctification. Redemption, foreknowledge, maybe they are those doctrines where the house is built and it can't be moved. Because God built the house. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And you are baptized into it. And you are learning and growing. And here's a big question. At the end of your life, can you say that wisdom made your hand fit in the glove called the universe did it fit into the moral universe did it fit into the physical universe did it fit into the practical did it fit into your relationships with people did it fit was there forgiveness in your heart were you living in faith did it work and the answer is that wisdom made the universe and it's wisdom that goes into your heart so you know how to live in it. It doesn't mean you don't have pain. It doesn't mean you're not going to cry at night. It doesn't mean that your life's going to... Pur- doesn't mean you're going to live long. It doesn't mean many of the things that people are looking for. But it does mean that when you face life, you're going to have a resource. You have a foundation. You have a way of thinking. That will not fail you. It will not fail you. So that's it. All right, amen. That's the end. Wow, that's late. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer today is that this would touch our hearts. Lord, the bottom line is we need you. That we'll take up the cross to find you. That you are with us, you have found us, but we want to, in a practical way, relate to you. And we offer up spiritual sacrifices In this house, rejoice a lot in it. Thank you for it. We really rejoice a lot in you, Lord. Thank you for it. Bless our day. Lead us in our meditation, our life. May this be used to help people find the way, be drawn to you in their hearts. Every day we, we talk to wisdom. Every day we lean upon you and trust you and if you've never started your spiritual life then do it today say i trust you jesus mark the day down in your in a bible we'll start to read it in the new testament read the gospel of john and learn what god has to say to you hide it in your heart it'll change your life in jesus name amen